Good morning, Norfew, and welcome. Thanks for everybody who's tuning in. We want to give a couple shout-outs to people who are listening across the country. Colson Chu and your buddies out in Utah, grateful that you're watching. Good to see you, buddy, and we're glad you're tuned in. We've got people in Montana and California, Canada, all across the place. So uh, we're grateful that you've taken the time to join us this morning, and we hope the Lord blesses you with it. A couple updates that I want to give uh, that are important to us here. One is that you guys have just been fantastic in your faith support and in your giving. And uh, a quick update on Move the Mountain. Move the Mountain, as of uh, the last total we had, is under $85,000. And those of you who know where we started, that's absolutely miraculous. So it's amazing, deeply encouraging. Thank you. We're also holding really strong on general giving, and we're grateful for that. And several of you have gone out of your way to uh, give uh, extra to the family care offering, which we are anticipating probably the needs will increase here now in the next two weeks. So uh, just uh, deeply appreciate that kind of heart and that kind of spirit. Um, <clears throat> we've also gotten really good reports of you as groups, whether it's a community group or youth group or elder board or whatever uh, meeting, and you've met on you know Zoom or FaceTime or Google Chats and that kind of stuff, but um, super proud of how that's working and the effort you're putting in that, everybody cooperating and uh, with all the guidelines, yet still connecting and staying in relationship, staying in touch, and uh, really appreciate that. We have a couple of special opportunities coming up that will be in the next two Sundays. They were on the calendar before all this happened, and so we felt we wanted to keep them on. So next Sunday, we have Scott and Noel Hardaway. You can see them on the screen with me and their boys. And they have been on a crazy adventure uh, trying to get to Papua New Guinea for missions. And they are going to give us an update. They're in North Carolina right now, and they're going to let us know where they are and what it looks like. And so we're going to hear from them. And then the next Sunday, <clears throat> our friend and um, fellow servant John Burkhalter is going to give an a, a update on the Cascade Prison Ministry and what's going on, because obviously that has changed enormously as well. So those two will be coming, and you, you'll be able to see them. And then we're going to start a new... Oh, and then I forgot, but uh, James and Sarah Lund are back. And they're going to be um, uh, here. They have gotten out of South Africa. We'll get an update from them, uh, and we'll let you know how that's progressing. But just grateful that they made it back okay. So uh, we'll start a new series then on in May on the 10 called Truth Versus Lies, and it's going to be pulling out of the book of Psalms, uh, what's laid out there in terms of uh, God's truth versus the lies that we encounter. And so it's going to be a good couple weeks, and uh, you can look forward to that. You can go online. Please go to our website, track with this stuff, and make sure you know where it's all at. And a reminder, at the end of the services, we do questions and then prayer points. And you can either stay on with the message this morning, and they'll show up, or you can go down to our website, download them ahead of time, and have them in paper if that is better and works better for you. So all those things together. So let's pause. Let's pray this morning, and then we'll turn it over to Esther. So Father in heaven, we thank you so much. You've been really good to us, and, and we're astonished that this has worked as well as it has, has and we're super grateful and uh, we ask that you would take this and transcend. Lord, we are your family, your sons and daughters, your church scattered. But we can be brought together in powerful ways by your Holy Spirit. And that uh, at times could have been theoretical. 
It's very practical right now. And we ask, Father, for your help, your favor, especially as we walk through this morning. We seek you for that and give that to you with great hope in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be going towards the message. But right now, uh, we're going to turn it over to Esther and the worship team, and they're going to lead us. So whatever's your habit at your house, whether you stand and clap or you sit and sing, just enter in and we'll go from there. Thank you, Steve, and good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We're just going to spend the next few moments in worship and in prayer, in adoration of the Lord. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So we're going to put everything aside for a few moments. I know life is crazy right now. Put it aside. Let's focus on the one from whom all good things flow and bless him this morning.
for who he is no matter what's going on around us and David so beautifully does this all through the Psalms and I love it so much he'll lament towards the Lord he'll lay it all down but then he always turns it back around in praise and thanksgiving because God is good no matter what the circumstance so pray this song with us To see things like you do 
that be our prayer as a church this morning, that we would look to you for our wisdom, that we would look to you for our vision, that as we lean into you, you would truly be the bread of life and the living water that ever sustains and ever gives life. We love you so much. We thank you so much for this time to enter into your presence and to be united as a church through the power of your spirit. We ask a blessing and an anointing upon Steve as he brings us your word. Surround us with your presence, Lord, we pray. And everybody at home says, Amen. Thank you, Esther and the team. So as we get started this morning, I want to just, if you'd allow me, just to make a couple observations that uh, I've, I've been looking at as all this has played out. And what I notice is that not everybody is having the same experience in this crisis. Uh, for some, it's been hard-hitting and direct. We have lost our jobs. Uh, we're dealing with that right now. What's our next step? Uh, some of us are dealing more. We're rocked by anxiety. We 
This has made us very uncomfortable. We don't know quite how to adjust and everything feels off kilter and, and we're trying to find bottom. Uh, some of us are going through fear, right? And, and figuring out how are we gonna get through this? Uh, I was just talking uh, with some of the guys and they're saying some of us are just slammed that this has actually catapulted their business and stuff to the point where they can barely keep up. And, and so they're just hustling that way. Uh, some of us are afraid th- with the virus, right, that we might be giving it to people and, uh, and we're afraid we might get it from people. So we're just being ultra cautious, cautious, which is great. Um, some of us are cautious, but flexing, right? We are going through, we're doing the protocols, we're being wise, we're figuring it out. Uh, and, and some of us are doing just great. We're, we're really actually enjoying the time. Uh, we're going for walks together. We're hanging out together. Uh, we like the fact that things have slowed down. I've got numerous reports uh, talking to people as I've called people through the week that what they're saying is I've had wonderful times reading through the Bible. I actually have time to do it and I have time to pray and it's, it's working out fabulous, really enjoying the whole thing. But I think one thing we could all agree on, it's kind of a funny thing, is the lack of traffic is exhilarating, right? For many of us, including the teenagers, this is the first time in your life that the freeway is actually a freeway, right? <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing more than 25 miles an hour. Uh, we had to go pick McKinsey up as she came back from school. And I mean, we just flew down to SeaTac. And the reality is it was just such... It, it didn't take long at all because there was no traffic. Uh, I'd, I want one of those brand new Corvette, the, the C8 ones. Wouldn't that be fun to just go from SeaTac to Mill Creek and just as floor it and as fast as you could go because there's no traffic. It would be great. Somebody will lend me one. I'll try that. All right. But one thing we all have in common is this question. No matter how it's impacting us or what we're up against, the one question we're all asking is this. How long is this going to last? And therein lies the tension point that we're all experiencing. And again, there's a spectrum of responses. Some of us are doing just fine. We're relaxing, as I said, and having a great, great time with it. Some of us are slightly annoyed, but managing, right? It's okay, but irritating in some senses. Um, Some of us uh, are feeling pressure and would really be excited for things to go back to normal, right? Whatever that is. Um, Whatever it is, we'd just like to go back to it. Uh, Some of us are feeling real sadness uh, at loss, at not to be able to see or or be with our friends. Some of us uh, are losing our minds, right? We're going absolutely stir crazy. Get me out of here. I need to, you know, go back and do that kind of thing. So again, back to the initial question, how long is this going to last? And the truth is, we don't know. And so I thought it'd be really appropriate topic this morning to talk about waiting on the Lord. Would you take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 37. We're going to be reading verses 3 to 7, and we're going to look at three words today. And the three words we're looking at are trust, commit, and wait. So Psalm 37 reads like this. We'll take it in three parts. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Notice the first word here is trust. It's an anchoring conviction based on the goodness of God, no matter what the circumstances are. There are few phrases more powerful than the phrase, I trust you. In this psalm, Psalm 37, what's causing the problem is wicked people seem to be getting away with it. They're succeeding, they're getting ahead, they're prospering, and God's saying, stick to the path. Keep trusting me. Stay faithful. Uh, The phrase, befriend faithfulness, is a beautiful one, and if you're reading out of the New American Standard Bible uh, this morning, the phrase is worded a little bit differently. It says, cultivate faithfulness. Cultivating, of course, is a a farming term, and uh, cultivating the land is a process, not an event. And so it carries with that, so is that true with faithfulness, that faithfulness is a process, not an event. Faithfulness, like so many other biblical qualities, is best developed under pressure, which is something we normally don't like about it, but it's, it's a truth to it. And this verse is saying that when you see things going wrong, when you see evil men getting ahead, they're getting away with it, keep trusting the Lord and keep doing the good things that he's asked you to do. Keep developing, keep cultivating, befriending faithfulness. Stay with it. The last part adds a very important ingredient. It talks about delight. No matter the circumstances, keep delighting yourself in the Lord. If you do, he will give you the desires of your heart. But here's where a catch is. There's two things on this. When you delight yourself in the Lord, you may find that your actual desires are changing because as you get closer to the Lord, you start loving the things that he loves rather than the things that you love. The second thing is there's a timing issue with this. We're going to cover that in point three, but let's go on to the second part of the psalm. It says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. The second word we're going to look at this morning is the word commit. So the first word is trust. The second word is commit. Notice that committing depends on trusting. You go, well, how so? Well, let me ask a question. Would you commit to someone that you know you can't trust? be it in a marriage or a relationship or a business, would you commit to someone you can't trust? And obviously the answer is no. And those of us who've done that know how painful that can be. Notice that this is, again, just like the word trust, best developed under pressure. Trust is forged in pressure. Often, uh, if you think of great teams, great teams are forged under very trying circumstances. And so it is with commitment. And once tested, it says, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your your justice as as the noonday. What it says is that God promises to act. Now again, there is a timing issue with this. And let's cover that and look at that with point three. The psalm goes on to say this then. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. It says, don't fret when you see evildoers 
getting away with stuff. Stay true, stay solid, stay loyal, stay faithful. And it says one more thing. Be still and patiently wait for the Lord, or wait patiently for the Lord. Trust is very closely related to contentment, the ability to stay still, to be still. Uh, We would say to be calm. Here in the Northwest, we'd say be clam, right? Ivers and that whole deal. But here are two words that we have difficulty with, especially when they're coupled together. Wait patiently. The word wait is bad enough, right? But when you add patiently to it, it makes it even more intimidating. Most of us have a hard time sitting in one spot for any length of time. You ever seen a mom (laughs) tell her young toddler, wait here, I'll be right back? And no matter how fast the mom is, what usually happens, right? He boogies, he scoots, he's fidgeting, he's turning around, he's twisting, he's doing something, right? We are truly the microwave generation. We've been trained in instantaneous responses. We want it yesterday. And so the idea of waiting patiently goes against the grain of our training, against the grain of our culture. Our our idea of waiting uh, for fast food is about a minute, right? You drive through one of the restaurants, if it doesn't come out the window within a minute, you're instantly irritated. Our idea of waiting in line in the grocery store, maybe two minutes, and past that, all kinds of thoughts race through your mind about that, that clod in front of you being so slow and why can't they work with the system to get it moving faster, right? Think I'm kidding? Well, let's try traffic. How about maybe waiting at the doctor's office? How does that work for you? Or how about the line at Starbucks? How come it's, we're just sitting here? Or how about if, if those don't work, how about the lines at the, the DMV, right? When you've got to go in and renew your tabs or get your licenses and the line's going out the door and you're like, ah, you've got to be kidding me, right? You're killing me, Smalls. And so we don't have very good ability to wait. And yet the verse is what? Wait patiently. But you would counter, uh, I have been waiting patiently. Come on, Pastor Steve, it's been over a month already with this whole COVID-19 thing. How long is this going to last? Wait patiently. Well, I'll tell you what, I have been patient and God has not come through, so I'm going to take things into my own hands. No, wait patiently. Some of us have been thinking in a much bigger context. Uh, and we've been waiting for years to God, for God to act in, in certain prayer requests. And, and we kind of give up and we say, man, I guess he just doesn't hear my prayers. What does the word say to us? Wait patiently. So if my waiting patiently is not lining up with God's waiting patiently, what does God's patiently look like? I once had a friend, uh, he's still my friend, and, uh, but he was not happy with me because uh, I was encouraging him to be patient in the situation that he found himself in. And uh, we were in his truck together, and, and his response was, look, I've been patient for two years. I'm done. God's not kept his part of the bargain. And I said to him, really? You, you really want to go there? You want to go biblical on that? I said, Joseph was promised that he'd rule over his family 
and it took 13 years for that to play out. David promised the kingdom, and he had to wait 15 years for that to happen. You've waited two. You really want to go there? And in the best English I could put in for church, his response was, you really upset me. Uh, it was far more colorful than that, but that's the best we can do this morning, all right? We have a hard time being patient. And we don't stretch very well when it goes past what we thought the limits could have been or should have been. So let's look at some of these biblical illustrations because I think they're really enlightening. Let's uh, look at a couple biblical characters. You know these stories well. Here's Noah, God's call for him. Noah took him 120 years to build the ark. You think that took some patience? You think maybe halfway through he got a little frustrated, like this is taking a long, long time? Or how about Jacob? Jacob had to work 14 years for his wife, Rachel. He got swindled. He got uh, taken by his father-in-law, and he was given the other daughter, and so he had worked seven years for that. Then he had to work another seven years. What do you think being patient looked like there? Or let's take his son, Joseph. Joseph had to wait 13 years for God's dreams for him to become true. And in the process, it crashed in bad directions spectacularly. Joseph was sold in slavery. Then he was sold into Potiphar's house. Then he was unjustly accused by Potiphar's wife. Then he was thrown into prison. Then he correctly interpreted the dreams. And the guy went and was placed back in his position as cupbearer for the king. And he completely forgot and Joseph was left in prison for two more years. 13 years. And it was all looking like it was going backwards. All looking like it was downhill. All looking like God didn't hear any of his cries or his tears. But God's timing was different than Joseph. How about Hannah? We don't bring her up very often, but Hannah was childless for years. And taunted before uh, she went and prayed before the Lord, and Eli heard her prayer, and then God answered her prayer, and then the prophet Samuel was born. Uh, how about David? Look at King David. Anointed as a king at age 15, he had to wait 15 years to become king of Judah, and then another seven and a half years to be the king of all Israel. That's a long time. If you put that together, that's 22 years that he had to wait till the total fulfillment of that uh, actually came across and happened. There's a lot of other illustrations. Uh, Joshua and Caleb, be too. can you imagine being Joshua and Caleb? Where they're in the desert, they're coming into the promised land, we can do this thing. The other 10 say, no, we can't. And they turn on them, and they have to wait another 40 years for what was right in front of them. Okay? If those don't convince you, uh, let's just look at uh, Israel, Right? Israel experienced several uh, what I would call wait patiently periods. And you know these. First one, they were waiting in Egypt for 400 years. You know, if you look at 400 years, that's several generations of people that never knew anything different than Egypt because they were born in Egypt and they died in Egypt. And yet God, God proved to be faithful. Or how about the 40 years in the wilderness. Think about 40 years. That's a major chunk out of your life. They spent most of their life in the desert 
because of their sin, and their children spent 40 years in the desert because of their rebellion and their unbelief. 40 years is a long time to be trained in a desert. They had another waiting period. They spent 70 years of waiting in Babylon. They didn't obey God. They didn't listen to the prophets and the warnings the prophets were given. And so they ended up being smashed by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. And they were in that country for 70 years. So that basically means anybody who was 15 years or older never made it out of Babylon. And yet God was true with his promises. Then there's another waiting period. There was 400 years of silence where there was no prophetic voice in Israel from the time of Malachi to the time of John the Baptist. For another 400-year period. And if that wasn't enough, because they didn't listen to what Jesus was telling them, they spent 1,900 years in exile from the promised land. 1,900 years. Think of how many people and how many generations went through without ever seeing the promises fulfilled. And yet, what does God say? Wait patiently. Let's take another illustration that's closer to home to us. Let's talk about the church. When we look at the church, this is found in 1 Thessalonians. Paul says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you. In other words, other churches were talking about what had happened in Thessalonica and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. How long has the church been waiting patiently for Jesus' return? Paul was talking in Thessalonian church about his return right there. And if you read through the epistles, uh, and the guys who wrote the epistles, mostly Paul, but several others, it's very evident. There's statements in there uh, that when you read them, you realize that they believe fully that Jesus would return within their lifetime, or if not, very soon after. They were talking about what's going to happen here in the immediate present or the immediate future. They would have had no concept that 2,000 years later, we would still be looking for that return. But they also, they knew it would take longer, right? That's why in this very letter to the Thessalonians, Paul, when he's writing to them, he's talking to them and saying, hey, he admonishes them, you can't just sit on a hill and twiddle your thumbs. You've got to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. Because a lot of people are saying, well, if he's coming back that soon, we don't need to take care of anything. Let's just sit on a hill and look up into the clouds and wait for him to return. And Paul was saying, no, 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 you you can't do that. And so the big question that comes with all this is, when it comes to waiting patiently, whose measurement of time are we using? Ours or God's? The lens that you look through makes a big difference. Wait patiently. Are we talking about one minute? Or are we talking about a thousand years? And right here, let's ask a harder question. How will we respond if it doesn't get better. Right now, we're hoping everything, we've been at a month, we're like, whew, okay, but we made a month, and hopefully it'll be over soon, and, and, but what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't get better? What if it actually gets worse? Again, 
Peter speaks to this with clarity. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Peter's saying it might not necessarily go away. It might not necessarily get better. Uh, Peter had been through a lot himself. After all he'd been through, Peter understood that nothing was wasted in God's economy. Peter himself, Mr. Immediate, Mr. Gotta Speak on the Moment, had learned to be patient. And that even suffering produces positive results when seen through the right lens. He was also wise enough to realize it might not go away soon. And so he takes the long view. The long view is this is going to pay off in glory and Jesus will make it right. Uh, Margaret used to have a sign on her desk that said, remember, your reward is not down here. And a lot of us live the Christian life as if we live it right, our reward will be here. And that's not true. Our reward will be in eternity, not here. We as a church have been trained as a church uh, well, and it comes into play right now. Northview, we've got this. We've been trained in this. We've been trained in surrender and obedience. We've been trained in being in the Word. We've been trained in perseverance and steadfastness. We've been trained to choose joy. You know all those phrases. You know all those words. We've talked about them many times together. We've seen God take us through some really tough times here at the church. And we've come out the other side full of faith and full of trust. And I want to say a word to singles, students, children, those of you uh, in those categories who are listening today. Uh, for you, you're too young to remember the Great Depression, right? You, you don't remember World War II. Uh, you're too young to remember the Vietnam War even. Many of you are even too young to remember 9-11. It's a, a story that you've read about, okay? Uh, you've never had a real living example of a trial or test that's come in your lifetime. But it's come. This has come in your lifetime. This is your test. This is your immediate. You are now in it just like us because you have to follow God just like we do. It's no longer your parents' faith. It's no longer your parents' story. It's now your story. It's your time to galvanize. And will you trust God through this kind of event? As I'm talking, some of you realize this morning you don't even get a graduation whether it's high school or college, there's been things ripped away from you that are givens, that are precious, that are important, that are memory makers. That's all been taken away. Uh, Some of you will come back and realize, ah, there's no job market. You've graduated and poof, no eyebrows. You're in the wilderness, right? And so you're going to have to wrestle with real things, hard things. And in that, God is going to be talking to you. And what's the message? Wait patiently. Be patient. Some of you realize you've come back, wow, I've got student loans, and how do I pay those off? Right? And you can't come back and see your friends. You can't hang with, you can't go where you want to go. And you realize God is testing you. This is your era. This is your generation. This is your test. And God wants you to pass it well. Whether we're adults 
Whether we're young marrieds, whether we're singles, whether we're high school students, college students, or children, God is going to use this in all of our life. God is testing us. This is where your memory banks for the rest of your life will always go back to what you learned here, especially if it gets worse. Just like the Great Depression was in the minds of our our parents or grandparents, depending on your age, what did they have to learn to do? They had to learn to be patient, wait patiently. They had to wait on the Lord. And it didn't all happen in a day. Again, the question, how long will this go on? And the answer is, as long as it lasts. And so the truth is, it's not going to adjust to us. We have to adjust to it. And we're going to need the Lord to do that in that process. We may have only just begun in a process that when we look back would have said, wow, I had no idea it would have taken that long. But with that in mind, let's go over our verses again now that we started with this morning. And let's read them again. Look at your Bibles. Look what it says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend or cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. Those key three words, trust, commit, and wait patiently. Instead of praying for God to get us out of this, maybe a better, wiser way would be to pray, to ask God, how am I going to act and respond as we go through this, no matter how long it lasts. Trust, commit, wait patiently. Norfew, we got this. He's taught us, he's trained us. We can do this and we can make it, we can make him look good. Let's make him proud of us, right? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we take that seriously. We know you have trained us for things. For some of us, this will be the first time through the loop. For a number of us, this will be round five, six, seven, ten, twenty. We've been here before. We've seen this rodeo before. And we've blown some before. We want to do this one right. We want to trust you. We want to be fully committed. We don't want to waver. And Lord, we want to be able to wait patiently while you do the things you need to do that you'll find us doing the things you've asked us to do. Lord, may your church shine. May it glow. May we be radiant. May we represent your life to people that don't know what that's about. We ask all of this in your name. And all God's people said, amen.
One of the things that uh, we've been able to do as a result of being online like this is uh, with all the messages, we've been adding questions and then prayer points. And so we're going to do that again today and it'll give you, you as a, a chance as a family to dialogue together. So here's the questions for this morning. Number one, which of the three words, trust, commitment, or waiting patiently is the most important for you? When you listen to this this morning, and which would be the hardest? Number two, what's the longest that you have ever waited for something? And would you say that you were patient during that process? How did you do well? What did you struggle in? Number three, when you measure your patience meter, how patient are you? Um, and what, what tests your patience? What kind of stretches or pushes you that way? Number four, how has God trained you in these words? In other words, what life lessons have you learned in the area of trust, the area of commitment, and the area of waiting patiently? Number five, how have you been doing in this COVID-19 test? We've been in it for about a month now, and obviously all of us are responding uh, in different ways, but how, have you, how do you feel you've been doing in this particular test? And then number six, what have you learned through this month about God and about yourself? What's new? What, what's deeper? And then the prayer points for this morning. Number one, continue to pray for all those affected by COVID-19. Many, uh, we've been marvelously spared by the Lord, but many have lost family members or close friends, uh, and it's been a real difficult season. So let's hold them up in prayer. Number two, uh, continue to pray that God would help us trust him. And as we talked about this morning, trust his timing, uh, that we'd be on his timetable instead of our own. Number three, continue to pray that we will learn how to continue to be patient. Uh, my guess is this is going to go longer than we want and longer than we thought. And let's pray that God helps us adjust to the level that it's going to be and be patient with it. Uh, number four, let's pray for the persecuted church this morning. There's all kinds of things going around uh, around the globe, going on around the globe. Sorry, I got to say that right. And um, there are people, uh, the church is in dire straits in some places and believers facing serious persecution, particularly right now, South Africa and Nigeria are two that we would highlight. There's other places you may be aware of more, but let's pray for the persecuted church. And number five, let's continue to, continue to pray that God will lead us as a congregation, um, especially as we're scattered out as individuals across the community uh, to help others around us, not just with needs, that's important, but also in sharing the gospel. Think through your story. Ask God to provide some divine appointments that would just be a place where you could share what Jesus means to you and uh, what he's done for you through this crisis. So enjoy the prayer time together. Let's seek the Lord. Keep your eyes open. Let's watch for him to be at work uh, in this season of testing. All right, we'll see you.